Hello and welcome to the Outdoors Adventure Podcast. On this episode, we've got the second edition, second part of Alan Bennett's interview from the Scout Organisation, where we're going to get into the nitty gritty of how the Scouts can affect and impact and improve your physical and mental health from a very young age. We also have a trip report from the Cairngorms, a low-level trip report, um, checking out a body there along the river spay we have the usual news and events which i'll put to the back of the episode now and question of the month and statistic of the month so we'll crack straight on with the interview the second part of the interview from alan bennett So before we crack on, just want to run through um, the socials again. Uh, we've set up, I've set up a Twitter page now called uh, at the Outdoors Pod, so you can find us there. There's also the Facebook page, our Facebook group again, the Outdoors Adventure Podcast. Uh, just look for the image that's shown on the podcast on Facebook. You can get in touch at Outdoors Adventure Podcast at hotmail.com. <laughs> So in the introduction to this, I would have spoke a little bit about how we're going to talk about sort of the mental health benefits of uh, this. And it's a, a subject I could potentially get quite passionate about. I'm going to, I think we do a lot of things wrong as a society. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a little bit of a monologue now. <laughs> so bear with me because I, in the research to this, I sort of want to point it down the route of how, how this benefits children. And I it was shocked at some of the stuff that I found. I mean, uh, it's, I think it's well documented that as a species, as a society, our mental health is suffering. Uh, and to me, it's quite clear why our mental health is suffering. We're animals and we are so far away from being an animal these days with modern technology and modern stress that biologically we're not, we're not designed to be, you know, we shouldn't be indoors all the time. We shouldn't be sat behind a desk all the time. We should be outdoors. And some of the stuff that I come across is, I mean, it's shocking, really. According to the Children's Society, one in six 15 to 16-year-olds now have a mental health problem. And that's up 50% in the last three years. Uh, 50% of mental health problems are established by the time that you're 14 years old. And the highest risk group is 17 to 22-year-old women, so young women. Uh, and then moving on a little bit into adulthood, I mean, that always surprises me as a 37-year-old male. The biggest death, uh, cause of death for under 40-year-old males is suicide. And it's absolutely crazy when you, when you sort of sit there and you look at the fact that we aren't going outdoors as much as a society. And yet the benefits of going outdoors are huge. So perhaps you can sort of touch on the benefits that this has for uh, children and their development growing up and how it helps them into adulthood with their mental health as well. Yeah, you know, some shocking stats really into the Rob, um, to hear you, they're, they're difficult to hear. And that's where I think scouting can play a big societal part, really. Uh, I've always believed this, and there was a study a couple of years ago, um, I think it was University of Edinburgh or Glasgow, it was up in Scotland anyway, and um, it, it was around um, a group of more senior uh, people in age, 
uh, and they did a bit of research with them and that they found that um, you're 35% more likely to have better mental health at, at, at 50 if you've been a scout or a guide. Uh, and you, you might be able to get this up on YouTube. No. There's a bit of a BBC feature on it. Wow. Actually. And it just really showcased. It just really showcased, and they were, t- you know, they had them around the table talking about it. But the importance of having that connection, young, and then that giving you better mental health, you know, once you got to fifty, really. Um, and you know, I then flipped that, you know, to some more of the question you were asking, Rob. When, when you know, over, I think it was over four years ago when we started looking into piloting scouting for four and five year olds. So at the time, the pilot was called hedgehogs. It, it then becomes squirrels. Oh, okay. That's a story for another day. Um, and one of the big things was that, you know, and, and we've probably seen it in this past week if people have been watching the news with um, the Princess of Wales. I keep wanting to say the Duchess of Cambridge, but it's not that. Anymore. The Princess <laughs> of Wales and her campaign that, that she launched about um, early years as well. And, you know, between that ages of three and four, uh, three and five rather, uh, the brain develops the most at any other stage in your life. And from a scout's point of view, you know, we weren't involved in helping with that. You know, the, the brain's developing so much and they're not participating in scouting when we know we can have such a big effect. Um, and that was one of the big sort of things that we often talked about. Um, and, you know, it, as part of that initial piloting, one one of the things was around school readiness as well, and supporting young people of that age to to be ready for school. You know, and um, and then I look back now, and you know, we, you just touched on the pandemic, but there's so many children aged four and five now who, because of the pandemic, never experienced social settings until literally the first day of school. So they may have not been to nursery. They may have not even been to a wedding of a family, you know, or a big family occasion like this, and then they're put into school. And it's extremely overwhelming. And, you know, I believe as we go on and progresses, scouting's got a massive part to play with that, particularly now with squirrels. And and just one example of that is... um, we had a young squirrel called Oscar uh, in a dray in Liverpool, and Oscar had selective mutism. Um, so what this would mean was, you know, he'd often freeze, he'd really struggle to communicate, he may only use hand gestures, you know, like thumbs up or a high five, or he may only, like, whisper to someone he's close to, like his parents, you know, and, and this could happen quite, you know, it happened quite a lot. And after four weeks of being at Squirrels, I got an email from a leader with some feedback from a parent, and and it just said, um, it explains Oscar's situation, but after four weeks, he went into nursery, stood up in front of his class, and just couldn't stop talking about Squirrels. And, <laughs> and, and that hit me at that moment, because I thought, you know, if we're having an effect after three or four weeks, what's the impact that we can have? You know, if he stays in scouts for 10 years, you know, that type of thing. And it and it's that that really hits home of the impact. And if, if they, we can help young people at age form them good habits early of, you know, being involved in your local community, helping out, getting outdoors and experiencing that and, and have a value for the outdoors, that's only going to make people better citizens as, as they progress through life, really. Yeah, I mean, that ties in really, really nicely with another stat that I had as well. This wasn't planned, by the way, that you were going to play that. It really ties in nicely, though, because it's funny you should say that the child was in Liverpool, 
because another study that I found, and it was a massive study, it was in 2019, and it was uh, done with 900,000 participants nationwide. And it was uh, analysing people's mental health in people who grew up in rural settings versus urban environments. And it found that you were 55% more at risk of developing adult psychiatric disorder or an, an adult psychiatric disorder if you grew up in an urban environment versus a rural environment. Wow. And so it, the fact that this child had this issue in Liverpool is obviously a one-off, but the fact that he has access to the scout organisation in a city environment, which encourages you into the outdoors, surely is going to help skew that statistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. And, 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 and also, you've got to bear in mind the fact that um, I think it's in Scotland now. They they can actually prescribe nature now, can't they? In Scotland, have you heard about this? Yeah, this is, that's, is it a social e- prescription. Yeah, ecotherapy. Ecotherapy, yeah. it's called. Uh-huh. And you can actually get a prescri- prescription from a number of Scottish doctors where they just tell you to go for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy how it's changed, isn't it? Yeah, and it's interesting you say that about that urban community, Rob. You know, because it touched on you know we're nearly at a thousand squirrel drays, and we know that sixty four percent of them, you know, it's just over five hundred, uh, five hundred fifty or so of them, are open in urban communities. So again, you know, a, a strong opportunity for us to have an impact in them areas. Amazing. Oh, it sounds really, really interesting what you're doing, and and. It's quite admirable, really, that you're sort of foraging a path for scouts to be encouraging even younger people to get involved. I think when I grew up, I actually went to the Cubs myself, and the memories I have of being in the Cubs, and then a few years in the scouts as well, were... I know, I started in the Beavers. The Beavers were around when I was a kid. (laughs) Beavers and Cubs is what I went to. Uh, And I'll tell you what, 30 years on, nearly 30-odd years on, those memories still stick in my mind i can still sort of smell the hall you know that it was in it's one of those it's ingrained in it and i can still envisage the words that we went on a, sca- a camp to um uh, dover and we did actually we went on a day trip on a catamaran to calais and things like that <laughs> memories like that they still stick in my mind 30 odd years on so the 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 the, the, the benefits of the scout organization i felt uh and like i say the mental health benefits for children and adults alike uh is massive really so thank you very much for everything that you're doing um there's always one question that i ask every guest that comes on here uh and bear with me because i want to make sure i ask it right because i want to make sure i'm not asking you different questions that <laughs> asked last time. now saying this one question i always ask everyone make sure it is the right question and that question is what's the one thing about you that when you tell others always surprises them well, you've spoilt some of the surprising saying about being a referee, I guess, Rob, so I'll have to use a different Aww. one. Um, I'll edit that out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I did have a think about this, and I don't often talk about this a lot, but um, when I was a kid, uh, I think it was around seven, from about the age of seven up to about 14, I was a really good crown green bowler, and I actually <laughs> played uh, at county level uh, for Lancashire, and I used to travel all over the shore, and then... I used to play in a men's league, so I'd rock up at like eleven or twelve <laughs> and play, you know, grown men and and so on, and um, you know, I, and sometimes I would beat them, and 
you know, they didn't like that at all. Like, you know, it, it was one of these moments where, oh, there shouldn't be young kids around here. And it's like, well, if you don't have young kids, the sport's going to die. Um, but it was funny. I was, I was thinking about it before in the gym. Of, um, I, I remember when I got my first set of balls. I think I was about six or seven. And it was at the time when Power Rangers was massive. And my nan rang me up and said, I've got you a surprise. And I said, oh, have you got me um, a Mega Sword Power Ranger? And she went, no, 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 you'll have to come. So I went down all excited. And it was a set of cray cream balls. And, um, yeah, I, I used to do it with my granddad. Uh, he used to take me around and that. And I got to quite a decent standard, you know. And, you, you know, you used to win a bit of prize money as well in some of the tournaments. Yeah. like. Uh, but, you know, it's often seen as a more elder sport, I guess. But, yeah. It's interesting. I mean... Listeners probably don't know much about football refereeing, but as referees, they send they send you out as a team. And so Alan and I live not far away from each other, so we used to get sent out as a team. We probably referee maybe eight, ten times a season together, and they send us to Buxton, an hour and a half away, down to Stoke, an hour away, up to Lancaster, an hour away. So I've spent a lot of time in the car with Alan, and that has never come out. <laughs> never spoke about that so there we go i mean that just goes to show what's the one thing that surprises people when well you've surprised me and i've known you 15 years and spent a lot of time in a car with you (laughs) (laughs) oh fantastic well thank you very much is there um uh while you're on if anyone wants to get their children involved in the scouts or if they want to volunteer perhaps or get involved a bit more into the scout organization uh, or contact you indeed. What, what's sort of the best way to go about that? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a great opportunity for people to get involved this year. And, you know, I know we've talked an awful lot about young people and getting them involved, but I think for adults, it's just as rewarding as it is for young people. Um, you know, we've got a variety of ways that you can get involved. And I must stress, you don't have to be like Burgrills. You really don't. We have, you know, stuff that, even if you don't like kids, you know, there's stuff behind the scenes that people can get involved with. And, you know, we're going to hear a lot more about this uh, in the coming months. But obviously we've got the King's Coronation coming up. uh, And on the Monday, uh, the 8th of uh, May, is called the Big Help Out nationally uh, and what they're doing you know they're trying to get people out and about getting involved in the local community helping out and, and trying different activities and the scouts are going to be playing a massive part in that um so on monday the 8th of may you know save it in your diaries uh, up and down your communities there's going to be scouts out and about and it's a great opportunity uh, for you to come and give it a go and see what you think really and you know it changes lives you, you know i i, I was a young you know, Beaver. I started in the Beavers and, and worked all my way through, through up scouting. I didn't think yeah, I'd end up in a job with it. I really didn't. Um, that's yeah. not how it works. If you're a good scout, you get a job. It's really not like that. <laughs> um, but it does open doors. It, it really, really can change your life. And uh, you know, it saved me an awful lot when I was a young kid. Um, so you know, this is a great opportunity. And if I've really sold that really well, and you can't wait till then, you know, get on our website, scouts.org.uk. And you can find your local group and, there's, you know, for your child and for yourself, there's loads of different opportunities. Um, and I think I'd just like to finish on that, Rob, by saying, you know, just a big thank you to all our volunteers. Um, you know, we've got over 150,000 now. We need more. We absolutely need more. But um, 
just a big thank you for all the time that they give each and every week to give skills for life to young people because without them we'd be nothing fantastic well i think that's a brilliant way to end so thank you very much for your time thank you So this month's uh, stat of the month, fact of the month, and it's an adventure travel fact that the average person living in the UK has travelled to 10 countries. The average German has visited eight and the average French individual five. But only 29% of Americans have ever travelled abroad. So forget in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be reading out some responses to our question of the month. If you want to get involved in the question of the month, go ahead to the Facebook page, uh, the Outdoors Adventure Podcast on Facebook. Uh, it's actually the Facebook group, not the Facebook page. But on there, you will find a link to the question of the month. And you can give me your thoughts on what is your favorite UK national park and why uh, i've also posted on a couple of facebook groups as well not not my group other groups as well and got some really really interesting responses so it would be great to hear yours too so this month's trip report comes from the cairngorms uh, it's from a few years ago now it's about 2019 i think i did this recording and I went for a walk along the River Feshi. Now, the reason why I did that is because there was a well, was a new body at the time to the NBA. And I think it was the most recent. I think it was a new body anyway. And it had been renovated to a really, really high standard. And it looked really interesting. So I wanted to go and take a look. And it was a nice walk along the River Feshi too at the same time. Um, now, when I was there, I met someone called Lindsay. Uh, and this bloke portrayed that he was... Um, the MO to me, who's basically looks after the body. I, it turns out he's quite a controversial character. I was having another good chat with him. I got he's quite a nice fellow, I thought. But it turns out, all over the Facebook groups, the Mountain Body Association Facebook groups, the last I heard of the body was it. Um, uh, Lindsay was sort of being a bit rude to people when they were getting there and stuff. Now I don't, you know, I don't know. He seemed pretty nice to me, but I'm only telling you what people have said on the body groups. Um, and it's no longer an NBA body, so I think it worked for the estate or something. I can't really remember, and I don't really know the full ins and outs of the details. But at the end of the day, it's no longer a, a body anymore. It's called Rue Acten. Um, you pronounce, you spell it R U I G H. New word A I T E A C H A I N. So in the recording, you'll hear me mention it as an NBA body. You'll hear me talk about this Lindsay fella who. Uh, was really friendly and was an MO. <laughs> it's no longer NBA. It's no like I mean, it's still a body. You can still go there, but it's not an NBA body. And who knows what <laughs> Lindsay character is all about? He he seemed quite friendly to me, but apparently he's not been friendly to others. So who knows? As you can uh, probably hear, we are on a walk, obviously, and we've just entered the, the trailhead on the route to a body. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of it. I'll spell it out for you in the intro. Um, and 
we have parts near uh, Old Clean, which is near Aviemore, and we've got, well, I've turned off the uh, road at uh, Feshy Bridge, and parts about half a mile from the trailhead, last parking point you can park at. And uh, uh, I'm making the most of the fact that I'm away at work. Uh, I'm staying in Aviemore tonight, and I've arrived a little bit early. So uh, I thought I'd check out a body which surprised me um, online. There's been a lot of photos of it. I think it's probably about a year old, something like that. They refurbished it and it looks incredible. Um, if anyone stays in bodies fairly regularly, the, the standards are hit or miss, you know, fairly basic. All the way through to this one today, which looks like the best I've seen. So I thought I'd check it out. If I get time, I might even climb a Monroe. Uh, so we're just walking on the trailhead now and it's a beautiful place. I've never walked around this area of the Cairngorms before. Um, they're quiet. There was one other car in the car park, which is good news. Something better than going on a nice long walk and passing everyone every 30 seconds. I'm thinking I've got the place to myself. Uh, surrounded by... Well, there's a couple of Monroes here actually. There's only a couple, one or two. But plenty of hills um, and I'm just walking through the, the trees or woods at the moment uh, probably let's fairly walk in as most bodies are probably looking an hour and a half walking I reckon it's currently half past three so uh, who knows if uh, I'll see half or five get to five o'clock yeah I might have time to climb the Monroe um, which is, which is flanking the body. So we're about a mile or so into the, well, less than a mile probably into the walk. As you can probably hear, there's a stream in the background. And I do most of my walking in the Lake Districts, and the thing I love about walking in Scotland is a lot less tame. Uh, in, the, in the Lake Districts, so I'd be pretty much given there'd be a bridge going over this. And this thing in the state of spate. It's uh, probably impossible this, as it is at the moment. I'm looking further upstream. There's probably uh, a route across further upstream, and actually there is a bit of a path going up there, so it looks like a lot of people have to do that at some point. As it is, it's been fairly dry recently, so I will try and negotiate across without too much difficulty. Fortunately, I've got OK boots, so we might have to go in too much, too high. As I'm only really planning on a fairly short walk today. Oh, the slippy! nearly in uh, I've not really packed anything it's all a bit last minute from home as well I only really thought about it last night so I've uh, I've got any waterproof trousers and I've got any gaiters got a waterproof jacket and a bit of water that's pretty much about it really um, hat and gloves in case it's a bit cold on top but I'm not planning on being out for too long four or five hours and I'm not bothered about being wet it's not particularly cold so I'll be alright if I do get wet. And I've got a hotel booked in Aviemore tonight, even though I'm going to a body. Uh, I've got a meeting early in Inverness, so I don't really have time to walk back from the body and get to a meeting. So successfully across that stream and onwards to the body. We are now probably halfway to the body. Uh, and we've got to another river crossing. Problematic in 
worst conditions, um, but as it is, it's okay for now, he says. And he turns the corner and comes to uh, a much more challenging part to cross. Ah, there we are, this looks like something. It's really, I mean, it's, it's lovely walking out here. Uh, and because it's only May, it's quite warm. Lots of trees about, pine trees. Gives you the sense of, sort of walking abroad, really. And that's the smell you get from the pine needles. Um, and it's a quite a good track on the way to the body. Vast open, open space. What always strikes me about your walking in Scotland when I do most of my walking in Snowdonia in the Lake District, really enclosed places. Then you come walking in um, Scotland. It's much more open. Vast open spaces and big wide rivers. Much more wild. And I suppose harder to tame because it's massive. More of it to tame. We're just entering a forest now. It's got a bit of everything, really. It's open, vast open country. Walking through a gorgeous forest now. Could be in a film or something. And uh, always gets a little bit spooky when you're walking through a forest. It's getting a bit late on in the day. It's more quiet. And, uh, yeah, it's got a lovely walk. I've driven sort of six, seven hours from home. I live near Manchester. Uh, and uh, I sort of realised last night what I could do is I could stop in Abbeymore and have a walk somewhere if I get up early enough uh, before my meeting tomorrow so that's what I've done and yeah loving it so far so onwards and upwards I'm far from the body now. We've got to a section where uh, quite a large chunk of the main path, it's been a fairly well trodden path uh, on the way here, but it's been washed away. And uh, there was a, uh, all the way here I followed the, the river Feshi, and on the other side of the river there's a, a tarmac road. It's, uh, I want to say it's a, uh, it's a road you can drive down. A, I guess there's probably a gate at the top or something to stop most drivers. Uh, and it's the estate who own, the, own the, the, the road and the property. And apparently near the body, there's a bridge that goes over to that uh, tarmac road that has been washed away. Uh, so they're planning to rebuild, rebuild it apparently, but the last thing I heard, the latest thing I heard, I think it was 2011, I think it was washed away. So uh, it's not been rebuilt by now, I wonder if it's ever going to happen. Uh, so we just have to negotiate round quite a steep section. Fairly, fairly precipitous drop down into the River Feshi if you lost your footing. But you know, they've built the path up as much as they possibly could, but it's a fairly steep and rough section. But we're back on the main track now. And I'm looking to my left, because there'll be uh, another track that intersects with this one shortly which goes up onto the Munro I was talking about doing I don't know if I'll do it 
That's half four nearly. My hotel and the pub's calling me. <laughs> we'll see what time it gets to the body, but I don't think I'll fart off now. So, uh, we'll see, uh, see what it's like when we get there. So I've just been in the body. Uh, like I say, the walking was uh, looked beautiful, really. Vast uh, open spaces, nice forests, lovely river running on one side of the whole route. In took about an hour and fifteen minutes from the car park. All clean, um, and then you can only really see the body past hundred yards or so, really, when you, when you know, the body comes into view. I suppose the thing is with bodies is you don't know who's going to be in them. You can't book them. Uh, and there's no way of telling if anyone's going to be there when you get there. And uh, I was just walking up, last 100 yards to go, and then a 4x4 along the track comes behind me, and he pulls into the body, and uh, he's from the estate to... Uh, uh, well, I think he's, he doesn't actually work for the NBA. He's not volunteer for the NBA, by the sounds of it. A uh, called Lindsay. I think he's sort of his middleman between the NBA and the estate. So he, uh, he looks after the body and maintains the body. And uh, he's a lovely guy. I've just been in there for about an hour talking to him. About his work and by the sounds of it, it's not the only body he's been involved in. He... Uh, He's maintained other bodies and been involved in body in uh, 20 plus years by the sounds of it and they have done an incredible job. I ask me how you pronounce it, it's uh, Ruachten or something, Ruachten. Uh, so uh, Gaelic, he said you, you can pronounce it five or six ways by the sounds of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, out of all the bodies I've stayed in, maybe 15 or so bodies, that is easily the nicest body. Uh, a wooden interior the finish is exceptional uh, two lovely fireplaces and the place was gorgeous and warm he's been there he's been there for two days he's got another eight days here and then he's heading back home for a few weeks and coming back again during the to-go challenge where they're expecting it to be fairly busy it's not really run like a traditional body so uh, you know the, the uh, uh, the person from the NBA who looks after the body perhaps visits, visits two or three times a year to check on things. He seems to be ingrained in that building. He seems to spend a lot of his time there. And you know, I thanked him for all the hard work he does because it's genuinely a gorgeous place. I'm definitely going to be bringing my son for his first body trip. He's three soon, two and a half now. Three soon, so it's about time I think he got into his first body and uh, yeah, absolutely ideal, I think, for families. Uh, there's lots of open space to play in, nice streams, rivers, um, and lovely warm, nice facilities. Plenty of rooms, they've got a kitchen area, a living area, a couple of bedrooms upstairs. There's plenty of room. He said the most amount of people they've had in there's 42 people. Why not to believe there's <laughs> 42 people in there, but. Yeah, well, I do believe him, of course, but uh, that's a lot of people in the body. Uh, uh, well, on the route, on the walk-in, it was uh, fairly um, cloudy, really, up on the top. Uh, a bit of cold wind, and, uh, and as I'm walking back out again, all the tops have cleared. But as I'm walking back out, 
just literally just walked past the uh, track which goes up onto the Munro I was thinking of doing. It's six o'clock now, I've been in there for an hour and a half talking to him. And uh, it's another hour and hour and a bit where I am here. Back to the car, so that'll take us to seven o'clock and just uh, have two and a half, three hours off onto the body, uh, sorry, off onto the Munro and back. So uh, I've got my head talking to me and stuff. Remember the call of the Kang Gorm Hotel with the pints and the, the food is calling me. So, uh, in this month's news, it's, there's only a couple of bits of news this month, and I expected to be that way ongoing now that we're doing them every two weeks. Um, the first bit of news that I spotted was that uh, Hazara Mahmood, who is also known as the Hill Walking Hijabi, uh, I actually listened to her on another podcast, uh, a really interesting character who uh, challenges the uh, diversity aspects in the outdoors community, uh, has been appointed the... Um, president of ramblers scotland she she obviously uh, has a has a a a role in sort of breaking down barriers around the outdoors community uh being a muslim woman of south asian heritage uh and i think it's great news i think i don't know about anyone else but when i I mean, I'm 30, I'm middle-aged, white, male. When I go walking up mountains, I see people like me. <laughs> so it's great to uh, to try and understand the needs of the uh, ethnic communities and get someone in a high-profile role who uh, will be championing the issues that they face. Uh, the other bit of news was that the Fisherman's Pass in sorry, Fisherman's Path in Bedgullet has been uh, renovated. When I say renovated, it's because a hundred meters section of it was uh, washed away in the storms and the high level river. Now, this isn't the Fisherman's Path that you might see all over social media with all of the um, uh, the, the Via Ferrata, essentially. This is the one just south of Begler, I think. I've, I've driven past it. It looks like a, a brilliant walk, to be fair. But, yeah, it's not the one that you probably see all over social media, although it probably should be because, like I say, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous walk from what you can see from the road on the opposite side of the river. Uh, 30 tonnes of stone was uh, shipped in to help uh, renovate the path.
to what events have we got coming up? We've got uh, the uh, Mighty Co Festival. Well, it's been called off due to lack of snow. However, the film nights are still going ahead. It's uh, the Glencoe Mountain Resort on the 11th of March, just a few days' time after this is released. Uh, you can get tickets at themightyco.com if you're anywhere near Glencoe and fancy having a movie night. There is also a tour from Gordon Buchanan. So he's a filmmaker, cameraman. He's quite a famous, famous cameraman, though, because he's done... I don't know if anyone watched it, but he did, doc, did a documentary around polar bears and uh, he spent some time in the outdoors with polar bears, and you might have seen the footage of he's in, like, this protective glass cage, and his uh, polar bear's trying to attack him. Anyway, he's doing a tour from the 14th of March all the way through to the 15th of April, so there's no way I'm going to list them all on here. But, um, yeah, if you uh, sort of Google... Gordon Buchanan tour <laughs> takes will be on there. We also last month I mentioned James Ketchell's also doing a tour. He's still touring, and if you go to Speakers on the Edge, he's uh, he's touring in association with them. And then lastly, again, I want to mention previously the Outdoors Expo next weekend, so 18th to the 19th of March at the NEC in Birmingham. Uh, tons of stuff going on. Loads of stuff. Um, too much to mention, really. But if you go to the nec.co.uk, you can find all the information there. And tickets are only a tenner. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Outdoors Adventure podcast. And next month, oh, oh I keep saying next month. We're doing them every two weeks now. In a couple of weeks' time, we have an interview with Alex Staniforth. It's difficult to say what Alex has done. <laughs> He's done so much. Uh, attempted Everest a couple of times. Uh, Cho, Cho Oyu is uh, the director of a charity. He does challenge events in the UK, raising uh, money for charity. Uh, as always, you can get in touch at the Facebook page, of Outdoors Adventure Podcast, Twitter, at Outdoors Pod, or sorry, at the outdoors pod it's got the in it out the outdoors pod um we have the usual news events question of the month and uh, statistic two see you in a few weeks